Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. We are a nation in turmoil. Things happening every day. Actually, things happening just about every hour. Our image is falling down all over the world, our image and our standing as the leader of the free world. It only took three months to bring that image to its knees. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen in the final analysis. There are going to be hearings and more hearings. Uh, But something's got to change because as a whole, and I'm speaking to Republicans and Democrats and independents, libertarians, whoever you are, We's in trouble, folks, and we've got to start paying attention to everything uh, and extricate ourselves from the hole that has been dug for us by our esteemed president. So let's get started. First, a non-political item. Today is June 6, 1944, popularly known as D-Day. It was the beginning of the end. It marked the beginning of the end for Nazi Germany. On this day, Allied troops landed on Normandy beaches, American, British, and Canadians. 155,000 in one day. A lot of soldiers, a lot of deaths, a lot of injuries. 155,000 in one day. Within 11 months, Nazi Germany surrendered. Want to talk a bit about what's happening with Trump directly, indirectly, and so forth. Uh, Not forever tonight, but for a little while. James Comey testifies Thursday. This is a big deal. Uh, He's going before a congressional committee. What concerns me, and this concerns me very much, is the hype involved. The hype is huge. It's big for his for his testimony. Probably the biggest thing that seems to have hit Washington in, I don't know, 30 years, maybe longer. Even uh, Hillary Clinton's uh, Benghazi hearings, her email hearings, and everything else did not draw this attention. All of America will be watching the TV tube at 10 o'clock Thursday morning. When you have such big hype, much is expected, and I think maybe too much. You know, we've got this Washington drama. It seems to be at, at its highest that it's ever been. Uh, everyone's saying, boy, this is going to be terrific. Well, I hope we all know more after the hearings. But don't expect too much because it's the hype that's brought you to that level. Also, you have to understand, much of what he knows is classified. He is not going to be able to answer certain questions in public. Later on Thursday afternoon, he's supposed to testify in closed session as to the classified matters. Also understand, please, uh, that these two congressional committees do not have the power to charge anyone with a crime, do not have the power to indict. 
All they can do, do is make a revelation, bring something forward, and power of impeachment, too. But the power to indict, to charge criminally, lies solely with Special Counsel Mueller, with him. Now, his investigation is the biggest of the whole deal because he has the capacity, the power to really dig. He has the money to dig and find out what the hell went on here, okay, in many ways. And I'm sure he and Comey have talked, and Mueller has said, you can discuss this, you can answer these questions, but you can't get into that because now you're getting into information, evidence necessary for our, to our investigation, and it's not proper and it's not legal to divulge it at this time. Which sort of puts Kumi on the spot, but I'm sure he understands, but it may make you and me and the citizenry of this country a bit unhappy because we're not even Thursday going to get the full story. Note. Also, that the full story hasn't been developed yet. Mueller's been only at this, what, a month? It's going to be months before this whole thing is put together. Jeff Sessions. I have never liked Jeff Sessions. Uh, Senator from the South. He's a bigot. I have said this. I have written this about him. I've been very open about it. He's, He's a bigot. He's a white supremacist. Uh, not only is he anti-Afro-American, he's anti-female. I mean, how much worse can you get with it? Uh, now, he's been a senator forever, and he's a senator from the Deep South. He reminds me of those that were senators from the Deep South immediately prior to the Civil War. They were bigots, okay, and anti-everything. You know, you know what's interesting? Uh, Jeff Sessions... Is has a middle name. It's Beauregard. I, I've never searched this out, but I've always thought that his middle name is Beauregard because it must be some sort of a family name. That's an awful big name uh, to put as a middle name to, uh, to someone. During the Civil War, there was a General Beauregard fighting on the side of the Confederacy, and I have the deep feeling that he may be a descendant of General Beauregard. In any event, uh, Trump and Sessions aren't getting along right now. You know, Sessions sucks up to Trump. Sessions sucks up to Trump. He has from day one, uh, and Trump loves this. The guy was not qualified to be an attorney general. Uh, No way. His mind is screwed up. Now, at the present time, Donald Trump is blaming Sessions for much of the White House's woes, their early woes in his presidency. Trump is upset with the way Sessions handled the immigration lawsuits. He's lost all of them so far. As attorney general, his office represents the United States in in these lawsuits. Uh, Trump is upset because Sessions recused himself from the investigation of Russian, of purported Russian interference in the 2016 election. He had to recuse himself. It was the only proper thing he could do as an attorney. Then you've got Special Counsel Mueller in this thing. Trump believes we never would have had the Special Counsel, and Mueller, who's a, a tough guy, had Sessions not told about his meeting with the Russian ambassador to the United States last year. Somehow this came out someplace, if you recall. Now, the last couple of weeks we're hearing there was another meeting, another private meeting with the ambassador, the Russian ambassador, in April of 2016. 
so the the talk is Trump may fire the guy, may not fire the guy. He, he's deprecating all over Sessions, blaming him for everything bad that has happened in his presidency so far. It's amazing how Trump cannot accept responsibility, cannot become aware that he's doing wrong. This guy does not understand in any event. I think there's a consensus, and I believe that Trump is stuck with Sessions for the time being. I mean, it, it will be it's already shades of Nixon and his impeachment. Nixon was firing everybody. Trump has already started firing people by getting rid of Comey. And now he's going to fire Sessions will not look good. So I think he's going to be stuck with him for a while, much to his displeasure. Now I want to talk about Qatar. Qatar is one of those little Middle East oil rich countries. How's that? Okay. An Arab nation, uh, very powerful. Uh, there are those Arab nations more powerful, like Saudi Arabia. Well, Saudi Arabia announced yesterday that Saudi Arabia and several other Arab countries have told Qatar, you've got to stop spreading terrorism. Now, I think that's absolutely amazing. It's a joke. And why? They may be spreading terrorism. I don't know. But we all know the biggest uh, country and spreading terrorism before 9-11. It goes back that far. It's Saudi Arabia. Now, I don't know why the two Bushes, I don't know why Clinton, I don't know why Obama, in a sense, they paid allegiance or sucked up to Saudi Arabia all the time. Trump does it even worse than anybody else, though. Uh, recall, two weeks ago, he went to Saudi Arabia. They gave him a gold medal. You could see his chest swell with pride when he received it. And then he danced their dance with them, with the men, the Arab men. And he flashed the black sword as they were doing in the air. This guy, he, he, he sucked up to them. And then a couple of days later, he went to Europe. And with all our allies, since World War II, he defecated on our, his, our allies, our friends. And he, he's saying, in effect, my friends are the Arabs. All right. Now, Trump tweeted this morning a congratulations to Saudi Arabia for cracking down on Qatar. And he also congratulated himself in the tweet because he said that he suggested it at the a meeting he was at two weeks ago with the other Arab nations in which Qatar was at, that Qatar should stop uh, spreading terrorism. Well, the truth comes out today after he says that, uh, and it, because the truth and the accuracy that comes to us through Saudi Arabia is that Trump said all Arab states should stop supporting terrorism. That's something I would expect the president of the United States to say. He never did say, however, that Qatar should stop. Now, you have to understand, and I don't know if he understands, if Trump understands, I don't know if he knows what's going on. Because the United States, we have a massive air base in Qatar. We have had one there forever. 10,000 troops a year there, okay? The air base is very important to us. How the hell are we going to keep Qatar as a friend if he's saying, good, I said they should be cracked down upon, when he never even said it? Rex Tillerson, our esteemed Secretary of State, who happens to be in New Zealand today, took a different tact. He said, and he had it right. He said all countries in the Middle East 
have to work together to stop these terrorist attacks. All right. And he said they should not fight each other to accomplish this dialogue. They should sit down together and work the whole thing out. So terrorism coming through and from the Middle East stops. Trump's problem, with all due respect, is he speaks without thinking. And I also think, again, he lacks the necessary background, the knowledge to understand and know what's going on in the world. And therefore, I don't think he can govern effectively and has not governed effectively effectively to date. Want to talk about privatization for a moment. That's all we heard from starting last Thursday or Friday. Trump was going to spend all week this week traveling around the country and selling the people of the United States on privatization of infrastructure. I won't get into what it all is, but what it is, in effect, is turning over the the ownership, repair, and maintenance of our highways and bridges to corporate America. Because, after all, corporations do better than, than than, than the private sector does better than the public sector. May have been true 40, 50 years ago. Isn't true anymore today because the corporations today are solely for themselves, the bottom line, the profit line, and screw everybody else as they have been screwing the American citizens for the last 20 or 30 years. So instead of going out and talking about this infrastructure privatization, he started yesterday morning, Monday morning, talking about privatizing air controllers. Where the hell did this come from? Okay. Uh, and he, he wants to turn the air controllers over to uh, a, a corporate America, a private corporation, uh, who will run it, and he thinks they're going to run the situation better. And I'm saying they're going to screw it up, and it's going to cost us more money for air controllers than it does now. I don't think privatization is good at all at any time, not with the type of corporate America we have. They will control everything to the detriment of the American public because everything will become more costly with the bottom line being paid for by the American public. If privatization in either of these areas go through, it's a sellout by Trump to corporate America. Beware, my friends, this is not a good thing. We're all done with Trump. How's that? Okay. (laughs) Uh, Interesting little tidbit here. The United States military screwed up. Uh, And here's what happened. Somehow, we sent, we were sending, we sent, we we were authorized to send $1.6 billion of light weapons to Iraq. All right, they're our friends. Uh, we're trying to help them. Uh, and we sent, we were authorized, Congress approved that everything, $1.6 billion. However, and they were going to fight ISIS with this in Iraq, uh, only about a half a, $500 million got there. Something like $1.1 billion, got it, $1.1 billion, fell into the wrong hands. Guess whose hands? ISIS, yeah, ISIS. Thousands of assault rifles, hundreds of mortar rounds, hundreds of Humvee-armored vehicles. Now, how the hell did this happen? We send this stuff over, and it ends up in the enemy's hands, stuff we paid for, put together. Don't forget, we have military, boys and girls in American uniforms over there to the tune of five to 10,000, training these people, helping them, etc. 
this machinery made here, paid for by us, is now being used in certain instances by ISIS to kill our own people. Now, the government, the military says, in this country, it was poor management on our part. We had lax controls and lax record keeping on $1.6 billion. And they have promised, and the United States has promised, to tighten up on tracking and monitoring in the future so this does not happen again. This is not the first time something like this has happened. It will not be the last, and I don't think it's just an accident. I think people are making money up the ass over the, the Iraqi war, the Afghanistan war. We've got 15, 16 years of wars here, and the budget never balances in the Defense Department. They're off, I don't know, hundreds of billions of dollars every year. Somebody's got to be getting money someplace. And I say this with all frankness. I want to talk about the state of the American people, the state of our society today, uh, from three approaches. There, the Brookings Institute did a study, and they said that the top 20%, uh, the top 20% economic-wise in the United States are pulling away, pulling away leaving in the dust the other 80%. They suggest, they say, no, they don't suggest the American dream no longer exists. It's not a reality. Uh, the upper middle class, the upper middle class, the upward part of the upper middle class, those making $120,000 or more a year, they're moving upward constantly, okay? Whereas the other 80% have remained constant. For 30 years. You can understand that. So, and this is great for the 20%, especially their children, and children are important. This is the key, because the kids have a better life. They get a better education. They have more opportunity. They do things differently from the children of the other 80%, and so the children of the 80% don't have the same shot as success down the road as the children of the top 20%. Again, because the top 20% are better prepared for life, okay? It, there's a term for this. It's called amongst economists, quote, opportunity hoarding, opportunity hoarding. And the top 20%, they keep making a little more money all the time, and they take care of their kids the way kids should be taken care of, uh, socially, uh, economically, educationally. Whereas the 80% don't have enough money to do these things. And so they keep that, that advancement, that success factor for themselves and their children, again, to the detriment of the 80%. Another approach to the problem. There is a book that's recently come out, The Vanishing Middle Class, colon, Prejudice and Power in a Dual Economy. The Vanishing Middle Class, Prejudice and Power in a Dual Economy. Written by Peter, Peter Temin, Professor Emeritus of Economics at MIT. The MIT impresses me. Uh, and this applies to most citizens, what they're saying. Uh, our country has become a repressed society so bad that we have become, we are in the process of, and have already become in many respects, 
a third world country. Now you're saying, whoa, hold up, we're not that bad yet. But think about what this uh, Peter Temin said in his book. There was a time, he said, when there was three societies in the United States, poor, middle class, and wealthy. And the middle class was huge. And the middle class bridged the poor and the wealthy. It was a bridge, a large bridge, a flourishing middle class. Well, we don't have a flourishing middle class anymore. You don't need a, a professor emeritus at MIT to tell you that. We do not have a flourishing middle class. The bridge is gone. Now it's a chasm. It's a valley. It's a hole and a big hole. All right. Uh, and the book says in the final analysis, there are definite parallels between third world countries and the United States. And because of these parallels, the similarities, wait, that inequality has grown in the United States. And what, that's a big term today. Inequality has grown because there is no middle class. Another new book out is The Fate of the West, F-A-T-E, The Fate of the West by Bill Emmett. By the West, it means uh, Western democracies, Western nations. And uh, I want to share with you some of his thoughts about the United States and the causes of our problems today. He says, the United States, once the world's most successful governmental idea, the world's most successful way of doing government, of performing a government, a free and open society that supported a democracy, a free and open society that supported a democracy. And now it is under threat. Our way of life, he says, is in decline. And it's in decline because openness, the freedom to choose, to speak, to know, and the hope for new opportunities and better lives are disappearing. Can you argue with that? The freedom to choose, to speak, to know, the hope for new opportunities and better lives, I just spoke about that two minutes ago, in the, with regard to the other book, are disappearing. Sizable parts of our society, he says, feel left behind. Not because there's an Islamic terrorist state out there, not because of Vladimir Putin, not because of China. We are left behind because of our own failures. Failures that pose a greater threat than is Islam, Putin, or China. And he goes on to say in one part of his book, and I love this because I've been preaching this for years now, and most of you will agree with me, if not all of you. The biggest single cause of rising inequality, there's that word again, inequality, distortion, distortion of public policy, and a generation of collective Economic pain and anger, economic pain and anger. The banks, the banks, I've been calling them whores. They gave us 2008 and the failure of the economy. We, we bailed them out. They survived. Now people still can't get loans as they should, small businesses and so forth. Uh, the banks are for the banks. They're whores, prostitutes, okay? And those people in Washington today, your Republican Congress and your President Trump, they want to pass laws that help the banks. They want to get rid of and are getting rid of legislation passed under Obama, which protected the consumer, the people from the banks. 
The banks are your enemies, my friends. Never forget it. I want to talk about the European Union for a moment. Uh, you know, as we sit here in this country and we see these immigration problems, all these people leaving Syria and they're going to part into the Middle East and other parts of Eastern Europe, uh, and you would think, or some people may think, that that's the only place where Muslims are leaving and going somewhere else. Well, there's another place, and that's Africa, okay? Not, that's Africa. And it's countries like Morocco and Libya and a series of little countries. I, they're very tiny African nations in the middle of Africa. Now, you recall London Bridge just happened last week. The, the deaths there and what happened. The culprits, the three bad guys, were from Morocco and Libya, one via Italy. Okay, uh, the the these aren't Arabs. These are Africans. They're black. Okay, they want a better life too. First, they have their own Islamic states, primarily Al Qaeda. It's not ISIS. It's Al Qaeda in Africa. And the way they leave Africa, Morocco, Libya to get the better life, they go into Italy and they go into England, okay? Some continue on to Sweden and Denmark, but Italy and England are the main places they head for. And they get there. Uh, I've made many trips, as you were, to Italy, especially northern Italy in the past several years. And i got to tell you, <laughs> it's turning into a black society. Nothing wrong with that. But it's causing all kinds of problems for Italy, as it, those coming from Syria are causing all over the world. Okay, so now, the region in Africa, by the way, is the Sahel region, S-A-H-E-L, in the middle of Africa, Al-Qaeda again. The Euro Union has decided, and I think it's because of what's happened in Paris recently and what's happened in England, they have allocated 50 million euros, lots of money, 50 million euros to fund new African joint military force, a new African joint military force. They already have uh, people from the Euro Union fighting there. They have NATO forces fighting in Africa, fighting Al-Qaeda. We never hear about this. We only hear about the Syrian ones. And they want to counter. They want to oppose the growing ter uh, terrorism coming out of Africa, in Africa, and these soldiers, these 10,000, these 50 million euros are going to be spent in Africa, in the middle of Africa, in those little countries, Sahel countries, uh, trying to do something. They expect to have 10,000 troops there by the end of the year. And the primary purpose of these troops are to calm things down because they're always at war. They're everyone's killing everyone. And to shut down illegal immigration. So that's that story. Uh, flying cars. I talked about flying cars a few months ago. They're coming. They're almost here. Uh, Toyota is leading the field. They have been test driving flying cars. Still rudimentary. At the rudimentary stage. In fact, the highest the car has flown that they're working on is head height, six feet so far. But hey. The Wright brothers, they only got two or three feet off the ground the first time the plane flew. They expect the cars, the flying cars, to be ready and operable, usable for the 2020 Olympic Games in Tokyo. 
that's only three years away. I want to close tonight with a tribute to Zygmunt uh, Brzezinski. I wanted to do this last week, but I ran out of time. Uh, he died two weeks ago at 89, a very distinguished American. His family, when he was a boy, escaped Poland and other parts of Europe before World War II. They were always a step ahead of Hitler. Uh, finally got to the United States. Uh, Mr. Brzezinski became national security advisor to President Carter. He succeeded Henry Kissinger in that job. Uh, he is also father to Mika Brzezinski on Morning Joe. Well, that's the show for this week. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed doing it, and I hope I, I make you aware of some things you might not have been aware of. I'm doing a Facebook video show every day now, two, three minutes. Today's show was all of 40 seconds. You might enjoy seeing it. You can see me in person ranting and raving, my arms flying around. Uh, Key West Lou, Key West Lou Facebook, and you'll be able to see the video. I hope you look at it. If you enjoy it, uh, take a quick look at it every day. Uh, other than that, I, I I thank you again for joining me, and hope you'll come back next week. I'm going to be here, and I hope I'm going to have some more goodies to share with you. Good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.